Welcome to the Seeing Red Podcast. That's right, that's right. It is another edition here of the Seeing Red Podcast. My name is Troy Moriello, and I am your host, as always, bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things St. John's basketball. And the Mike Anderson era is off to a rousing start with a 30-point, a 109-79 win over Mercer, the Mercer Bears. St. John's scores 109 points, their highest scoring game in 21 years. And really what was a dominant effort from the opening tip until the final buzzer. Uh, Mustafa Heron leads the way for St. John's with 25 points. But the Red Storm have five players in double figures. LJ Figueroa puts up 18. Marcellus Erlington with a surprising career-high 17. The football player, Marcellus Erlington with a career-high 17. Nick Rutherford puts up 14 in his team debut, as does David Carraher, who scored 12 in his team debut. And, And it was an overall dominant and inspiring effort in uh, the first ever game under Mike Anderson. I mean, obviously you have to consider the opponent being the Mercer Bears, but overall a dominant effort for St. John's. And uh, I'm going to break it all down in just a few minutes with John Cavanaugh. John is a, uh, a frequent guest to the program. Uh, he was one of our uh, one of our better guests last season. He's back for season number two on this podcast, and we're happy to have him back. So he's going to be coming on in a few minutes, and we will break down the game. But first, just some of my uh, quick thoughts in terms of individual players, my star, it's still Mustafa Heron with his 25 points. He led the way, but you also have to talk about the uh, the supporting cast. LJ Figueroa had a, a quiet 18 points. Uh, felt like he almost had more than 18, but but ended up get, getting to the rim a lot. Only attempted three uh, three point shots, hit one of them. Uh, St. John's as a team only shot 19 threes, which uh, Johnny Cavs and I are going to get to in our discussion in a little bit. But um, someone like Marcellus Erlington, seven of 13 from the field, even stepped out and hit a three, grabbed five rebounds, had 17 points, career high, just felt like he was attacking the rim, uh, knew his position well, grabbed a couple of rebounds as well, and really dominated down low. And again, you consider the opponent uh, in Mercer, but still a really impressive effort uh, from Erlington. I thought that... um, I thought that, uh, uh, not Greg Williams, Josh Roberts was incredible as well. Nine points and seven rebounds for him, including four blocks. Again, continue to just play above the rim and be another guy down low who can just grab rebounds uh, on the offensive and defensive end. He had four offensive rebounds tonight. He had uh, four uh, four blocks, uh, like I said, altering shots on the defensive end. Uh, it just felt like Roberts was everywhere. Uh, I, I also like that he was out there, you know, defending guys on the three-point line. You saw how versatile Josh Roberts can be, and it's just crazy that him and Marcellus Erlington, even Greg Williams, who had a bit of a quiet game, only went one of four from the field tonight, had six points. Uh, might, might have still been feeling the effects of that back injury. Who knows? But Roberts, Erlington, and Williams, it's just crazy that these guys didn't play last year for that team. And now this year we're seeing them already in their first game. Uh, They combined to really have an an incredible game. And all three as individuals had really good games as well. Um, You know, and and we also saw Mike Anderson tonight looking at his, his coaching style. You know, the Red Storm rarely went to more than a six-man rotation last season, uh, really the entire season, you know, even in these early season games. Really right off the bat, I think in the first six minutes, 
it. Mike Anderson had played all nine of his scholarship players, which is incredible, an incredible contrast uh, to last season. And, you know, we, we saw basically the exact vision that Mike Anderson preached on uh, April 19th when he was introduced as the Red Storm head coach. You know, 40 minutes of hell. Uh, he said it would be kind of, you know, 25 minutes of hell and 15 minutes of what the hell are you doing. It was a little bit more like 35 and 5 tonight. I thought the Red Storm at the end of the first half and then at the beginning of the second half had a little bit of a mental lapse maybe. Maybe some fatigue coming out of the half. Who knows? But overall, they didn't look too fatigued. You know, they looked like a team that was up at 5 a.m. Uh, that was working out all offseason, you know, getting getting this sort of a cardio training into where they were not burnt out. And they were pressing the entire game. You know, you know up by 30 with five minutes left, they were still pressing like they were down by two with five minutes left. That really, really impressed me. And, you know, you can talk about the opponent being Mercer, obviously, and not being an incredibly good opponent, you know, picked to be uh, near the bottom of the Southern Conference this season. So, you know, not going to be a team that's going to factor into any NCAA tournament projections, you don't think. But St. John's did some things that I think transcend their opponent. You know, regardless of their opponent, these things that St. John's did were impressive. On the defensive end, it was that defensive intensity, like I mentioned, that full court press. I don't think that there was one time that Mercer was able to bring the ball up clean without at least having someone in their face pressuring them. St. John's got a bunch of of turnovers that way as well. And just on the defensive end, active hands, getting up in in, in the ball handlers' faces, you know, not giving them any space. Obviously, that led to some open shots, but it also created 24 turnovers on the night. So you could see the the difference in uh, coaching philosophies from last year to this year. You know, you know, in, in, in seeing St. John's forcing 24 turnovers in this game, that's something that just carries over. You know, when you play that style of, of basketball, when you're pressing, when you're constantly putting pressure on the on the opponent when they have the ball, it's gonna it's gonna transcend no matter what. No matter what opponent you're playing, it's gonna make it difficult for them. Obviously some teams that'll be more successful against than others, but tonight you saw a glimpse of what St. John's can do when that 40 minutes of hell style of play is working. And then in turn, that leads to so many breakaway opportunities. I don't know exactly how many points St. John's had in the paint or points in transition, but it just felt like so many of their points were just easy layups or breakaway layups or breakaway dunks or, you know, you know, getting into the lane easily. It just felt like the entire game for St. John's was played in the paint. And I love that. And I love how many, how much they got out in transition and were able to get so many easy baskets. You know, for a team that doesn't have a whole lot of scoring options this season, you know, besides Figueroa and Heron, for a team like St. John's, they're going to need to have to get a couple of easy baskets in transition every single game. And they did that tonight. The entire first half really felt like it was just easy baskets in transition. So that's something that I really enjoyed on the offensive end. And also on the offensive end, just the ball movement. You know, something that we saw last season was way too much iso ball, uh, especially with the guards, but just overall way too much, you know, holding the ball for 20 seconds and then shooting a three. It feels like we've seen that really for the past decade for St. John's, way too much of that iso ball. Tonight, it felt like the ball was moving a lot more crisp on, on the offensive end. It felt like every player, or at least four players, were touching the ball almost every single offensive possession in the half court. Now, their half court offense is going to need work, obviously. Like I said, there's not a whole lot of consistent scoring off uh, options on that offense, but when you're getting everyone involved on almost every possession, it's going to make it easier to score. You know, they had a couple of open threes that were products of just passing the ball, moving the ball, finding the extra man, making the extra pass. And that's something that, as like I said, no matter what opponent you're playing, it's a, it's a good sign to see that those traits are being carried over from practice into the games because we weren't seeing that last year. And then my final thought, 
before we get to Mr. Kavanaugh. It, it's just it's, it's an impressive win for St. John's, and it's nice to have one of these games where it just felt like the result was determined in the first you know five or ten minutes of the game. St. John's jumped out to an early lead, and it felt like they had a 20-plus point lead for a majority of the game. I know Mercer cut into it. I think they got down to 14 or 15 at one point in the early in the second half, and I almost appreciated that as well because St. John's responded to that right away. You know, that lead got down to, I think it was 14 or 15, and it went right back up to 25 then in a couple of minutes. I really like that. That's something that even from last year's team with the, you know, way more talent that they had on last year's team, we didn't see that. You know, this felt like a game last year against Mercer that maybe they would have let them hang around. You know, this would have been maybe a 10-point game at the half, and it would have been played anywhere between, you know, an 8 and a 15-point St. John's lead throughout. Not tonight. They, they, They put their foot on the gas early, and they never took it off. Off. Literally never took it off until the, uh, the the final buzzer of this game. You know, pressing down uh, up 30 with you know five minutes to go. And like I said, those are just traits that you're instilling in a team that Mike Anderson is instilling in a team from day one that are going to carry over. It doesn't matter the opponent. When you play that hard, that they when you play as hard as they play tonight, that's going to carry over no matter what. When you play that intense and that ferocious on the defensive end, it's going to carry over no matter what opponent you're playing. Now they gave up a lot of open threes tonight as well, and they had some trouble on the offensive glass. Uh, they're going to need Ian Steer to come back soon, obviously, and they're going to need to improve their three-point defense. Obviously, that's a little bit of a product of, of the, the style of defense that they play, that you're going to give up a lot of open shots. But they've got to figure out a way to, to clean that up uh, a little bit as well because there was a lot of open threes, similar to the exhibition game, really. There was a lot of open threes. So you don't like seeing that because when you play these Big East teams, uh, those open threes are, are going to be made a majority of the time, uh, unlike they were tonight when they were missed a majority of the time. And on the offensive glass, you know, if you give Big East schools or, or big-time Power 5 schools second and third chance at scoring, more often than not, they're going to do it. So that's two things that I would like to see cleaned up. Uh, the defense didn't really concern me, though, giving up 72 points because they played at a fast pace. You know, when you play at that type of pace that Mike Anderson wants to play at, you're going to give up a lot of points. So that didn't really concern me. I saw some people a little bit concerned about that on Twitter. It doesn't really concern me. Those are the types of games that St. John's going to play, I think, all season long. Games in the 70s and games in the 80s just because they want to run up and down the court. Uh, that's how Mike Anderson wants to play, and it makes for a very entertaining watch. So I'm not going to complain about it. But, uh, yeah, those are just my quick thoughts on tonight's game. And uh, now we're going to send it over to John Cavanaugh. So John uh, was with us a couple games last year as well, uh, helping us break down. He always, like I, I like to say, he always brings the fire. John Cavanaugh does. He does a really, really good job, and I really enjoy having him on. And he's uh, a part of it for season two, so you can be hearing more of him this year. But uh, first up, this game tonight, you'll be hearing him in uh, in just a moment. So let's get right to it. Uh, here's John Cavanaugh on the 109-79 to St. John's win tonight. Everyone enjoy, and I'll be back on the other end for this. All right, I'm now joined by John Cavanaugh, longtime friend of the program, a lot of recurring guests last year, and he's back for season number two. And season number two starts off on a good note. Me and John didn't have a lot of uh, a good games to talk about last year. Fortunately, tonight we we finally have a win and a, and a good result for St. John to talk about. John, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Troy. How about you? I'm doing good, and like like I said, I'm happy to at least be talking to you after a win. I feel like every single time that I had you on last year, they lost or they played like an awful game. Was am I correct? No, it was true. I was every, every time I would call you, you would 
call in. I'd be like, all right, how are we going to digest this loss? How are we going to, you know, talk about the shortcomings of last season? But no, I finally start. Maybe it's a sign of good things to come. Starting off the year right. <laughs> exactly. I, I almost didn't want to reach out to you today because I was like, if I reach out to him, they're going to lose. So I don't want to do it. But I'm happy that they win. And now the, the curse is broken. The Kavanaugh curse is broken finally. <laughs> so uh, St. John's 109 to 79, uh, really dominated the first half. Kind of took the foot off the gas in the second half, but still ends up winning by 30. 109 points, their most points in uh, 21 years. Great start to the Mike Anderson era. What are your thoughts? Oh, uh, just honestly, they look very, very good. And obviously, the opponent Mercer just—they're obviously not a good team. But you have to look at even look at last year. There were teams that St. John's played last year, and they played plenty of cupcakes that they didn't really take seriously. And they, it was close. I think it was Mount St. Mary's, where they were only up seven at halftime. Mount St. Mary's came in sporting like an 0-7 record at the time, I want to say. So you really can't ever be too sure. But there was never any uncertainty in this game. They came right out of the gate. They were fast. They were crash to glass. Really good in transition. Uh, you know, honestly, they really showcased a lot of what Mike Anderson wants to do right out of the gate, which I like to see. They, they came out flying, um, which and they didn't lose focus, which was big to me because sometimes last season you would see how, um, especially against lesser opponents, they wouldn't exactly be razor sharp throughout. But outside of I think a mini lap in the at the end of the uh, first half, maybe start of the second where they got a little sloppy. They really kept the pressure on throughout. It's really impressive, and you can tell that Mike Anderson has put his stamp on this team already. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and and the big staple of Mike Anderson obviously is that you know pressing, aggressive, ferocious defense. We certainly saw that tonight. Uh, they forced 24 turnovers, I believe, really dominated on the defensive end. Were ferocious. That that full court press. I mean, they pressed the entire game. I don't I don't think that there was one second of that game that they weren't pressing, which is incredible. Uh, what can you say about that? I, I mean, I feel like that's something that you know you know. It, no matter what level of competition you're playing, that's going to carry over, that type of ferocious defense. Absolutely. That's something that he, Anderson's employed in his stints at Arkansas throughout his career is, is he's used full-court pressure. And I like the fact that they used it throughout the game. Uh, we've heard in the offseason how Anderson had the whole team up at 5 a.m. running sprints in the morning at St. John's. He was focused on conditioning. Uh, focused on really getting his team in shape, and you see why, because he played this press kind of attack where they have to be conditioned 24-7. I like it, and I think it made a statement that, you know, we're going to come out and play our game at Crest right away, and I think it's absolutely a staple of what's to come. I think it shows teams that, hey, St. John's is going to be in your face. We heard, we've heard Anderson say, yeah, my team's going to run, my team's going to, you know, scrap for loose balls. We're gonna, our bodies are gonna hit the floor. It's just, it's an all-out kind of attack, and I, I really like the fact that they did it throughout, and they even did it even late in the game when you, when they were mm-hmm. up twenty-five, thirty. They kept the foot on gas. They kept pressing. I, I think that sends a message that yeah, we're, we're going to play this way every single minute. Mm-hmm. And it, you're, you're right. I mean, you know, talking about those like 5 a.m. workouts, stuff like that, it, it didn't really feel like they were ever 
um, you know, tired at all or felt fatigued at all. I guess, like you said, a little bit towards the end of the first half and then into the second half, maybe coming out of the break. But besides maybe that like five minute stretch where Mercer went on a little bit of a run, it it didn't seem like they were like fatigued at all. So, I mean, that's that's certainly a positive because, again, that's something that's not really dependent on your opponent. Right, and I think another thing that had to do with that was they played nine guys tonight. Absolutely. And the rotation went nine deep, and we, it's very well documented in the Chris Moliner that he would play a six-man rotation throughout uh, unless guys got in foul trouble. So mm-hmm. even against lesser opponents. So to see Anderson come out, and I saw Justin Cole check in. I saw guys, a lot of guys check in that would never see time. Mm-hmm. And he went nine deep. That's not going to be big. He wants to utilize his full lineup, which is good. I like that. No, guys look fresh. You mm-hmm. can tell they're, they're well conditioned, and like I said, they have a lot more guys uh, at their um, at their exposure. Exactly. I, I think that he had played all nine scholarship players within the first like six minutes of the game, I think, which is incredible when you look at how Mullen used to do it. I, I mean, can, can you think of any reason? I, I, I get that, you know, Roberts and um, and Williams and Erlington all had sort of an offseason to kind of, you know, bulk up and, and, and learn the college game or relearn the college game. But at the same time, I mean, there, there's just no reason why these guys weren't playing last year. I, I just can't see one. No, I mean, I try to give all the benefit of the doubt, uh, maybe too much. I, the only thing I could say was last year, obviously, talent-wise, on paper, the team was a lot better last year. So I can I understand Mullen not giving guys like Josh Roberts and Erlington big minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted he really wanted to use Clark, Simon, Pons. He wanted to he wanted to ride the guys that um, you know these four guys are recruits, but. I mean, even in limited roles, I mean, we barely saw Erlington last year at all. I mean, he had, and I think he had 17 tonight. Mm-hmm. I think um, But no, I'm surprised even last year, they, especially Roberts, that for a team that struggled with uh, size, mm-hmm. I'm just surprised they didn't use these guys at all last year. I mean, like I said, I understand why you use your top guns, but uh, I think that what we're seeing is these guys can contribute and these guys do bring in different elements, and they could—they would have been more than capable of relieving the top guys last season. So I don't—I think this does reflect a little bit poorly on Chris Mullen in terms of, you know, why he didn't go deeper into his bench, keep some of the, keep his big guys fresh last season. Because I mean, I, like Anderson used an all nine guys, and, and a lot of the guys that Mullen didn't play last season looking different. Exactly. And, and, and like you said, in fairness to Mullen, it, it is only one game against a very lesser opponent, you know, a, a Mercer team that was picked at the bottom of their conference. So, so you know, give some um, leeway to Mullen there. We'll see how the season plays out. Um, talk about the balanced scoring for St. John's tonight. Five guys in double figures. Feels like even with last year's team, we rarely saw that. It seemed like someone always had an off night uh, last year. Tonight, Heron had 25 Figueroa had 18, Erlington had 17, career high, uh, Rutherford 14, and Carraher had 12. Uh, just felt like, you know, they weren't as reliant, uh, they weren't, they didn't rely on uh, Figueroa and Heron as much as maybe I thought they would. Maybe that has to do with the opponent, I don't know. I do think it has uh, a lot to do with the opponent, but I also do think, though, that, you know, the ball movement was really crisp. Mm-hmm. I like Rutherford, I think he did a real good job of just running the offense, you know, he got everyone gathered up, and uh, he did a real good job. You can tell he's got a lot of experience, so that's a, that was a positive for them. And they're already sitting at the guard position, so if he can really play like this all season long, 
they're going to be in good shape. But everyone, everyone played to their strengths, too. I mean, you saw Erlington was scrapping down low. He was aggressive. Um, you know, Heron was hitting threes, and he was uh, doing a good job penetrating one-on-one. Figaro was getting to the rim. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, all, they played to their strengths. I think the new guys stepped in. Yeah, the ball movement was crisp. They ran some nice plays. They, they did a good job spacing the floor, getting some open looks. And, you know, different guys are able to, when you have a bunch of guys that can chip in offensively, it opens things up. And I think that's what we saw tonight. Mm-hmm. And, and then just one more about the uh, about the newcomers now. <laughs> Julian Champagne had uh, eight points and eight rebounds. And um, uh, Nick Rutherford, as, as you mentioned, 14 points and eight assists. Uh, what can you say about those two guys? I thought both of them looked really, really impressive in their debuts, especially Champagne, who who, who uh, was in foul trouble a lot in that exhibition game and really didn't even play that much. No, yeah, I thought they both played really well. Like, yeah, like I said, Rutherford, he was, um, you know, he did a great job leading the, the offense. And I think, yeah, Champagne as well. I mean, he, he was, had a very quiet night. I mean, he missed a couple of shots from three early, but... He really did contribute nice offensively, 14 points, and he's only a freshman, so I think that, you know, for his first game in D1 action, he looked pretty comfortable out there, and um, very good defensively, both of them, rather forced a few turnovers, I think, mm-hmm. so I mean, the whole team did, I don't know how many turnovers they had in the unit, had to be uh, well into double figures, but um, no, I mean, those two guys were very good, almost a seamless transition. Does it worry you? They they only shot nineteen threes tonight. Uh, Heron was the only one who made multiple threes. I think uh, it it felt like a little bit to me more so in the exhibition than in this game. But it kind of feels like besides Heron and Figueroa, they don't really have a confident three point three point shooter. I think Carraher can get there over time, but at least at the start of the season, I'm I'm not so sure if they have a, a confident three point shooter besides the two big guys. Did you feel that way too? Yeah, I definitely do. I think the only guys I would trust hitting in the three at the moment are Figueroa and Heron. Yeah, like you said, Carrera can, can chip in. But I think my bigger concern, um, because, you know, they had some looks, but I think my bigger concern is they gave up a lot. They didn't do well in the glass mm-hmm. in terms of rebounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot. Mercer had a lot of second-chance rebounds, a lot of offensive rebounds. Um, that was my biggest concern was they were getting beat up on the glass. I know they're going to have Ian Steer. Uh, we're going to miss a lot of games. So, and I know they're not the biggest team, but they really didn't help um, alleviate those concerns about rebounding. I think if there has to be one area of focus, it should be rebounding. But in terms of hitting threes, no, I mean, I, I would say, yeah, that, that's definitely a bit of a concern. They only have two guys that I would trust taking through the moment. Um, maybe that will improve as time goes on, but... Um, yeah, I, I, I have to agree. I would say that and rebounding is the biggest, uh, biggest areas of at the moment. Exactly. I, I was going to say 19 offensive rebounds that they gave up. But I, I do think that they tightened that up a little bit in the second half. I think they gave up 13 in the first half. So they did better with that in the second half. I'll, I'll give them credit on that. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. The three-point defense as well is a, is a bit of a concern for me. Mercer shot a 12 of 28 from three tonight. Um, and I, I just feel like, you know, when you defend the three like they have in these first two games, when you play a good opponent like most of the Big East is, I think you're going to get burned a little bit more than they are. I mean, Mercer made 12 threes and they missed a couple opened ones as well. Yeah, I mean, when you face three-point shooters like Miles Powell, Marcus Howard, those guys are going to make you pay. Those mm-hmm. teams are going to make you pay mm-hmm. for sure. 
Um, and I, I know there was some concern with the fact that they went up 79 points to Mercer. I understand that, but on the other token, they beat them by 30. Mm-hmm. And I think this was the game where there was a, you know, it was a very quick game. A lot of possessions for both teams. But I think that the advantage for either. I wouldn't be so focused on how much points they let up. Because, again, they scored 109. And I think that's because of the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I'd be more concerned with how they defended the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mercer, we should not be shooting threes at the Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that, that might, like you said, that might just be, you know, the pace that they play at all season long, high scoring, entertaining games, which which I don't think anyone's going to complain about if they play a lot of uh, high scoring games like this one tonight. Um, I, I wanted to also, before I let you go, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, on the season as a whole. I mean, we're one game in now, but uh, obviously don't let your opinion be uh, too influenced by tonight. But what are your thoughts on the season? What do you, what do you see going on with this season? I think that a lot of people have them ninth or 10th. I think they finish ahead of DePaul or Butler when all of that is done. I think they compete hard in games. I mean, that, that goes without showing that they showed, I mean, again, game one, but they showed that they, they can compete from uh, the tip to the last whistle. And I think that's going to help them. I think they're mostly going to get beat because of talent. So, uh, like teams like Seton Hall, I mean, the Big East as a whole is really deep. Mm-hmm. I think the, the first six, seven teams can all be tournament teams. Um, so they're probably going to get beat most of based on pure talent alone. But they can absolutely eke out a few victories. Um, I do think with their non-conference schedule, they could finish over uh, 500 as a whole. I think they could do that. And that would mean that Mike Anderson would still not have a losing season as mm-hmm. head coach here. But um, I think they'll compete. I think they'll be more consistent. I think consistency is a big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, last season we saw they had these games where they would they lost at home to DePaul. They had these. I think this season, while they may not have nearly as much talent, I think night in and night out you're going to know what to expect from St. John's uh, in terms of effort and energy. So it's going to come down to talent. But yeah, I think eighth in the Big East is about where they'll finish. I think that they'll they'll win they'll win at a few games, they'll probably beat the ball, they'll beat Butler, you know, they could probably, uh, they might split with Georgetown, but the upper echelon of teams like Marquette, Mm -hmm. Hall, Villanova, that's where they'll probably start racking up more of their losses. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I think that's a a fair take. Well, John, thank you as always, man. You you bring the fire as always. I, I love having you on. You're one of our one of our better guests. I always appreciate you, and uh, we're looking forward to season two with you, man. I'm happy that you're on board for season two. Absolutely. We will uh, definitely be talking to you soon, but for now, have a good night, man. You too, Troy. Thanks so much. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. Big thanks once again to Johnny Cavs, John Kavanaugh, for coming on and helping us break down the 109-79 to win for St. John's over Mercer. Uh, John is one of my favorite guests. Love having him on. Uh, he always brings the passion. I really, really appreciate him. Uh, he's locked in for season two. So uh, most of the cast that you heard last season will be back for season two. You already heard uh, Nick Bello, uh, and now you heard Johnny Cavs this week as well. We're going to try to have most of the cast come uh, come back for this season. And uh, we're going to always try to get some new voices out there. So if, if you're interested, as always, I'll always extend the invitation. Um, you know, hit me up on Twitter if you're interested. Go into my DMs and let me know. And, um, you know, like I said, you don't need to be a reporter. You don't need to be an analyst, anything like that. 
If you're passionate about the team and you think that you can give uh, coherent takes after a game, then step right up and, and I'd love to have you on. So a- a- anyone, it's open to anyone and everyone. Uh, just please let me know and we can definitely set something up for you to come on after a game or, or, or any time in particular that I'm doing a show. But uh, yeah, that just about wraps up our show for this week. It's a it's a happy game for St. John's. It's a happy night for St. John's fan. What a, what a, what a start for Mike Anderson and the Red Storm. Um, 109 to 79, 109 points, a 30 point win. You really couldn't have scripted it any better. It seems like the culture that uh, Mr. Anderson is building, that Iron Mike is building at uh, at St. John's, is already starting to take shape. And uh, I'm really excited for this season. You know, I was already excited, but seeing them tonight, it seems like Coach Anderson really has a team that's going to play hard night in and night out. Like like Johnny Cavs mentioned there, um, you know, you know, you you have a team in St. John's that I think no matter the opponent. Yeah, they might be out talented, and they, uh, you know, team, uh, their opponents might have more talent than them. But I think that they're always going to play hard, and I think they're going to be in a lot of games because of it. I don't know if they're going to get blown out too many games this season just because of how hard they seem to want to play for Mike Anderson, and that's really all that you can ask in his first season in what is, you know, quote unquote being looked at as a rebuilding season in St. John's. But who knows, maybe it'll end up being a retooling season instead of a rebuilding season. But a hell of a start for for Iron Mike and a hell of a start for the Red Storm. Their best season opener that I can remember in a very, very long time, a 109-79 to win. But I will be back next either Tuesday night or Wednesday afternoon with another episode of this podcast right after they play I believe New Hampshire uh, next Tuesday I won't be able to do anything with the Saturday game but we will talk about the Saturday game uh, against I believe Central Connecticut and then the uh, Tuesday game against New Hampshire as well so that that's uh, the next week but I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's show I'm sure we all enjoyed the the uh, great win for St. John's 109 to 79 over Mercer and I hope everyone enjoyed this little recap thank you again to John Cavanaugh for coming on And I will talk to everyone again next week. Let's go, Johnnies.